Greetings and welcome to Under the Dome, the News and Observer and NC Insider Politics Podcast. I'm Don Vaughn here with my colleague Will Doran telling you what's coming up in North Carolina politics for the week of Monday, March 7th, 2022. So the big news today as you're listening to this on, on Monday, March 7th, is that this is the day when the two largest school districts in the state, Wake County Public Schools and Charlotte-Mecklenburg, have ended their mask mandate in school. This has been a pretty a controversial issue for a long time. It's the last of the major uh, COVID-19 restrictions that have been in place. And today the kids don't have to wear a mask unless they want to. So that's a big deal. And that, of course, is tied to the legislature and to the push and pull between Democratic Governor Roy Cooper and the Republican majority, as all things are in North Carolina state government. So that's the big news today. If you're a parent, uh, maybe you uh, sent your kid to school in a mask today. Maybe you didn't. You can hear them when they come home from school today about uh, about how things went. Um, and again, this was a um, a push by by Cooper to encourage school districts to lift them. They've been able to lift them. Of course, many had um, for the school year because of a bill that the legislature passed and that Cooper signed into law. When the controversy came up later is that the school boards weren't lifting it and people thought that Cooper was behind it because of a DHHS letter from Cohen that went out to a school district last year when cases were pretty bad, um, threatening legal action if um, if they didn't have these recommendations. So the recommendations have changed now. Um, the law remains. The law could change even more. And that's part of what um, what could be going on at the legislature this week. So um, what we've got tentatively as a Friday, when, as you know, like everything can change um, the day of when it comes to um, what's going on at the building. But we're looking at votes in the Senate on Wednesday and the House on Thursday. So the latest mask saga bill is that instead of, you know, Cooper encouraging and that school districts anyway can lift mask restrictions, that it would be. Um, parents optional everywhere. So there are really only a few districts left that still have it in place. And like I said, the two biggest ones have already been lifted. Um, So we're looking at Durham, Chapel Hill, um, some uh, Bertie, um, different counties around there that have not yet ended it as um, as of Friday. And this is going off of a list from the North Carolina School Boards Association. Um, So we'll see if that changes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much just that, like you said, that kind of northeastern corner of the state um, and Durham, Chapel Hill. And I, th- I think I saw maybe like Anson County was on the list on the South Carolina border, but it's a very small number of school districts that are still left with with masks in place. Um, and it is you know, pretty notable just how quickly that has changed. I mean, obviously, this is something that Republicans have been pushing for for a while, um, but, you know, Democrats had kind of resisted, but have, you know, really just in the last few months kind of gotten on board with. And, you know, once you saw that sort of bipartisan agreement that, you know, the mask should probably be optional. A lot of those school board mandates just really fell away pretty fast. Well, a lot of it, and I just double checked the map again, it looks like Anson is actually optional now. 
Um, a lot of it is the change in what's going on with COVID. You know, everybody thought things were going to be great um, after Delta went away and then Omicron showed up and swelled the party. Um, and now that that's, that's gone away and wasn't as bad as far as, um, you know, especially if you've been vaccinated, um, then things, people's minds have changed, um, looking at the data has changed and, and then the political pressure factor, which of, of course is, is all of this. So, um, so we'll see, we'll see where things go. There could be, um, because that the parental discretion on mass bill, uh, is a Senate bill. If there's an override vote, it would be in the Senate. There were votes in the original bill passed in the Senate for an override, enough Democrats voting with Republicans, and also in the House. So if that's the way that they go, if those um, same Democrats keep their votes, then um, then they could override uh, Cooper's veto. We'll see if, if that actually happens, if they decide that's an issue that that they're willing to override and, and deal with uh, the governor who's their you know head of the head of the party in the state for them. Um and they certainly um, disagreed with him in the past on on certain things. So we'll see if that happens for those final school districts or if the school districts lift them anyway, and it's not an issue. So that is one of the potential votes with the Senate and House on Wednesday and Thursday. The other thing would be a, a tech corrects bill and an adjournment resolution for the session that was supposed to be 2021 uh, long session. And here it is, March 2022 because they can't come back until they adjourn the first time. And, you know, we all know, our listeners know, I think, that they haven't actually been around. It's like here and there, and a lot of it is with courts and maps and, and everything else, um, but they haven't actually officially left yet. And of course, yes, this is absolutely costing taxpayers extra money to maintain a session that, that's not there. So you can tell your, your lawmaker what you think about that. Yeah, um, so that's what's whatever happened to the the part time legislature that uh, you know <laughs> six months ago we thought that oh you know maybe they might you know wrap up in September and then take a quick little break and come back for redistricting um, and now here we are in March and it's just been straight through the entire time. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, if you if any of I don't know if any of them really have regular jobs, but. You know, I know, I don't know how my bosses would react where I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll come to work this week, maybe next week. I don't know, but it still pay me. And, you know, it kind of depends on, on, on what happens. So obviously like that's not how workplaces work. Um, so you end up with a different, uh, different pool of lawmakers at their life stages and, and, uh, personal obligations and, and professional background and, and everything else too, because, you know, somebody's got to pay the bills in, in their house. So. Anyway, they will be in town um, this week, we think, you know, as I said, always add the caveat that something could happen and they don't. So a few things going on with House and Senate, uh, mass off in, in schools this week for almost all of them, maybe more, depending on what they do. Um, so those are things that are going on. But the big thing, candidate filing ended on Friday. And yes, there are actually maps and an election coming, and it's all very exciting. It will, if you can share on what are what are the big things now that we know um, who's running and who's not, and what their actual districts look like. Sure. Well, there are you know hundreds, <laughs> well not hundreds, uh, dozens, well over a hundred districts in total, and you know races that you know are happening throughout the state. You know, there's 120 house seats. 50 state Senate seats, 14 uh, congressional seats. Um, if y'all remember 
in a recent podcast, uh, Brian Murphy and I talked about some of the competitive uh, state legislative seats in the state house, the state Senate. Um, anyone who's listening now and uh, wants to go back and re-listen to that episode, uh, I would suggest you do that because uh, we had a good conversation there. Um, this time, let's focus, I think, on the uh, congressional races a little bit, um, since those maps are more or less final now. Um, you know, the GOP lawmakers have appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court asking them to overturn the state court decision on the congressional map and uh, go back to letting the legislature draw uh, what they want. Um, but that's viewed as kind of a long shot, not an impossible ask, but a bit of a long shot, um, especially here, at, you know, as, as you noted, since <laughs> filing is over now. <laughs> um, but uh, if we assume that the Supreme Court does not take any action and allows the maps to stand, um, what we've got are um, really, for the most part, fairly safe districts around the state, um, except for one uh, kind of on the outskirts of the triangle. It covers southwest and southern Wake County, a little bit of southeast Raleigh, and then it goes down into Harnett County, Johnston County, and part of Wayne County. Um, and that's, uh, if you look at it on paper, really, really, really tight district. Um, you know, I. I think it might lean democratic by like less than one percentage point in a kind of a generic election. Obviously if 2022 turns out to be a big Republican wave, it would probably go Republican. Um, but it's really just kind of balanced on a knife edge. So that's going to be a really interesting district to watch that sort of Southwest wake Johnston County district. Um, so far uh, we've seen um, well, bunch of people are going to run for it because it's it's a brand new district it doesn't have any incumbent um state senator uh wiley nickel from Kerry is running on that on the democratic side um and uh former state senator from fuquay uh sam searcy is also going to jump into that race um there's That's some a big change for for Wiley Nickel because he was going to run in a race that would have you know an earlier version of the maps included Durham, so he would have gone against his you know fellow state senator Valerie Fushi, uh, a Durham County Commissioner Nita Lam, and then Clay Aiken, right? And then now he is in a, a much different district. So yeah, that that Durham district. Um also changed around, and that's another one that we're going to be focusing on. But yeah, the, this thirteenth district. Um, uh, on, on the Democratic side, it looks like probably the two candidates who we would kind of view as the front runners, since they have, you know, a bit of a profile and some political experience are Wiley Nickel and Sam Searcy. Um, and then on the Republican side, you've got a big list, including former Congresswoman Renee Elmers. Um, you've got Devin Barber, uh, who's a Johnson County politician, uh, Kelly Daughtry, who's a lawyer down in Johnson County and a longtime uh, followers of state politics will recognize the Daughtry name as uh, Leo Daughtry, uh, former state representative Leo Daughtry. She is his daughter. Um, so that is going to be, I think, a, a really interesting primary on the GOP side in that race, too. Um, you know, obviously, Renee Elmers lost a Republican primary several years ago to George Holding, um, lost her seat then. Uh, but she's trying to make a comeback now. And uh, she's from Harnett County, which uh, about half of Harnett County, probably the majority of the Harnett County population, I would say, is in this district. 
Um, she's represented, you know, parts of Johnson and Wake in the past too. So she is definitely a no name to voters in this GOP primary. Um, but does she remain popular after having lost that primary a few years ago? You know, that's going to be a, a key question for, for this race. Um, and there's over half a dozen people running in that. So that could potentially go to a runoff. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, the, the Democratic side, you've got several candidates as well. So that that is really going to be the the main race to watch in November statewide, since probably every other district in the state is you know, more or less safe one way or the other uh, come November. Um, but and <laughs> particularly if we move our attention to that fourth district in Durham, uh, which, you know, is pretty much guaranteed to be won by uh, a Democrat in November, it. it covers Durham and Orange County, which are obviously very liberal areas, Alamance County, which is kind of a 50-50 place, and then it's got Person and Granville. Um, Don, you covered Durham for a long time. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on that that newly redrawn district? I mean, obviously, we're going to have a really, really competitive primary to replace uh, David Price, who's retiring. Yeah, just because Durham is blue doesn't mean they all think the same way. <laughs> like, not not at all. Um, so there's kind of, I mean, the short way to describe it would be a, a Biden Democrat versus a Bernie Democrat. Um, so that's a long range of the progressive political spectrum and, and what voters want. Um, and it, it kind of depends on city versus county and what the particular issues are with the candidate and, and turnout. So um, one indicator of, of recent Durham politics at the city level anyway um, is looking at the change on the uh, majority on council and what, what those priorities have been. But again, that's that's very local. So it depends on the voters on if they're what they want from a national, um, a federal politician representing them in Congress versus what they want on the ground in response to um, city and county. So it, it'll be interesting to see like as the um, as things get closer, which we're only looking at, you know, barely two months before the primary and how um, how each of those candidates are going to try to appeal um, to to voters from, you know, like I said, like people on the same street, different views. They might might have the same signs out front, um, you know, generally politically, but in different candidate ones. So so you never know. Um, so that I think um, I think that'll be that'll be interesting to watch. So we're finally at this point now of um, campaign season actually starting. I can't believe it. We thought it was starting in December, but then the government said psych. Um, and um, I think you know we're we're where we are where we are for now. So one one thing I wanted to see if we could. Um, Revive for for this episode. You can tell us if you want it to be revived more more than once. Is um, our earlier under the dome, which we had shortened at at some points to say Domecast. I don't know if that was ever official or not. But um, for a long time, and and longtime listeners know that that we had this segment for a long time. And you know what I'm going to say? It's headliner of the week. So instead of voting, we're just going to say who we think our headliners of the week are. I'll go first and then and then Will and I uh, spoiler, I already know what Will's is and I actually agree with Will, but but I'm going to go with a different one for mine. Remember the uh, contrarian, Don. <laughs> so my headliner of the week is the unaffiliated voter, which I know so much about because I just did uh, this really big story talking to unaffiliated voters, reading this um, fantastic report from Chris Cooper and Bitzer 
and to other professors um, that aren't as active on Twitter for, for those um, that that pay attention to them on Twitter about uh, this rise of the unaffiliated voter and the increase in unaffiliated voters. It's not a sudden thing. It's it's a long time thing. The parties did it to themselves. Uh, but the unaffiliated voting voter as a group will pass Democrats any minute now, probably by the summer, if not sooner, maybe even by the primary. Um, and that's a big deal for a bunch of different levels. So um, you can read my story on newsobserver.com. I've got it pinned, I th- think, right now to my um, to my Twitter profile, um, if you want to take a take a look at that. So and I also interviewed the Obama, Obama, Hillary Clinton, Trump voter. She exists. She actually lives uh, down the road from Madison Cawthorn. So again, North Carolina politics. It's, uh, that's good stuff. So unaffiliated voter. That's uh, that's my headliner of the week. Will, uh, who is yours? Yeah, well, I will vouch for that story. I, I learned a lot and I've written similar stories before about unaffiliated voters and kind of their place in state politics. And, uh, you know, even I learned a lot from that story. So I, I definitely think people should go check that out. It was it was really well done. And yeah, that that political unicorn of the Obama, Clinton, and then to Trump in 2020 voter is just uh, <laughs> uh, kudos to you for for finding uh <laughs> such a fascinating person to talk to. I, I could have made the whole story about her. Like y- y'all didn't even hear the half of it. She's she's great. So thank you, Kathy. I appreciate um, if you're listening. I appreciate you being willing to be interviewed. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but no, my headliner of the week, as as, as loath as I am to say it, as a UNC grad, uh, has got to be Mike Chishevsky. Um, You know, this this past weekend, Saturday, he had his uh, his final game against my Tar Heels. And, uh, you know, he's just even if, uh, you know, he he wears, in my view, the wrong shade of blue. I I think no one can argue that he's not one of the greatest basketball coaches ever. Um, You know, our our colleague Andrew Carter had a really good story on the sort of rivalry that then turned into a friendship later in life between him and Dean Smith. That was just it was a really poignant read. If you. Uh, can go back and and find that uh, from from Andrew Carter on on Shishetsky and Dean Smith. Go go read that. It was it was really well done and uh, and yeah, he's he's getting all the headlines and he deserves it. Um, so <laughs> can can you spell Shishetsky? Uh I know it's got like eight or nine Z's in it uh, and <laughs> maybe not any vowels. <laughs> It does. It has there. an E and an I. I learned how to spell it like my first week uh, c- covering Durham because I'm pretty sure they run you out of town on a rail if you don't learn how to spell Shashesky right. Uh, Coach K, we'll say. Yeah, Coach K, headliner of the week, unaffiliated voters, headliner of the week also. So if you guys like the headliner or want us to bring it back, let me know. Tweet at me, email me, et cetera, et cetera. I'm on signal. So, and, uh, and let, let Will know also. So, All right. Well, we appreciate your time and listening for the News and Observer. I'm Don Vaughn with Will Doran. We'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for her weekly political newsletter at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.